Welcome to a special Faith at Work Christmas podcast. I want to begin by wishing each and every one of you a blessed and a happy Christmas and the beginning of a peaceful new year. Since in the Christian tradition, the Christmas season continues for six weeks after the announcement of Jesus' birth, you'll have plenty of time to ponder and come back to the story. So for now, sit back, open your heart, and begin to let the peace, joy, and hope of the Christmas story sink in. Many of you have attended traditional Christmas pageants. Maybe your children have portrayed angels, shepherds, sheep, wise men, or even the coveted roles of Mary and Joseph. I can vividly remember back to over 60 years ago when I played Joseph in the Christmas Eve pageant in the church in which I grew up. Fortunately, it wasn't a speaking part, because what I remember most was being scared to death. The Christmas story that those pageants so lovingly portray are really two unique Bible stories stitched together through time and tradition. These two stories are recorded separately in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Luke's story recounts the story of a poor young couple who refused a place to stay in the inn, give birth to a holy child in a stable. Shepherds, summoned by angels, come to witness that birth. Matthew remembers the birth of that same holy child, but from a different perspective and with a slightly different cast of characters. Matthew's portrayal focuses on the events subsequent to the birth, with the dramatic arrival of the wise men from the east and Herod's dogged pursuit of the child, who would become the Messiah and threaten his rule. The story ends with the family fleeing to Egypt to escape Herod's murderous wrath. While these stories can be beautifully and meaningfully blended together in a dramatic Christmas production, there's also a value in teasing the two strands apart, for each carries a distinct and important message. Now, this must be done gently so as not to damage the fragile and beloved fabric of the Christmas narrative that we all hold so dear. But that's what I'd like to try to do now. Although the Gospel of Matthew precedes the Gospel of Luke in the Bible, I'm going to begin with Luke because it focuses more on the events leading up to Jesus' birth, while Matthew focuses on what happens later. Luke devotes an entire chapter to Mary trying to come to terms with the fact that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. He depicts the interaction of Mary with her kinswoman Elizabeth, who in her old age is about to give birth to another special child. This child's adult identity would be John the Baptist. These intertween birth stories foreshadow the relationship of the two of the most controversial prophets of their day, John and Jesus. The story of the birth of Jesus itself is a beautiful, simple, and elegant story, and I love the sound of it. Here it goes. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Immediately thereafter, Luke tells the story of the shepherds in the field who witness an angelic revelation as they watch their flocks at night. The words of the angels are equally simple and eloquent. They say, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And that is the story of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, according to the Gospel writer Luke. After Jesus is dedicated in the temple by a man named Simeon, the couple returns to Nazareth with their newborn son to live in obscurity until Jesus would burst upon the world stage as a controversial prophet nearly 30 years later. Now let's look at what the Gospel writer Matthew has to say. After recording the genealogy of Jesus, kind of like the ancient version of Ancestry.com, he gets right to the point. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, he says. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Now this is where the real drama begins in the Matthew story. Powerful King Herod ruled over Israel with an iron hand. He wanted to keep doing so, but a prophecy had arisen that a Messiah might deprive him of his throne. Hearing that wise men from the east, guided by a star, might be able to lead him to this usurper, he enlisted their help in finding him. Seeing through Herod's deceit, after they had found the child and delivered their gifts to him, they snuck out of the country. Herod, incensed, ordered the slaughter of all infants under two years old in the Bethlehem area. Meanwhile, Mary and Joseph, instead of returning to their home, fled to Egypt to escape Herod's wrath. They stayed in Egypt until Herod died. They then returned to Israel. But when they had heard that Herod's son, Archelaus, had ascended to the throne, they were afraid and relocated to the town of Nazareth in the Galilee region. Then, just as in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus and his family drop out of sight until he begins his Galilean ministry, joining John the Baptist preaching the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, you may ask, why did the people who put the Bible together 
choose to preserve two different stories about Jesus' birth. Not only do the two stories emphasize different ideas and characters, at some points the facts of the stories rub up against one another. But had I been offered the choice of which account to include in the Bible, I too would have been hard-pressed to decide. That's because each story, in its own way, gives us a unique and important view of the universal meaning of the verse of Jesus for our lives. Luke's birth story emphasizes the power of God to lift up the poor and the lowly. Mary and Joseph are poor people who come from the backwater town of Nazareth, a sleepy shepherd town of about 400 at the time. The legitimacy of Mary's pregnancy would have been in question to the outside observer. And yet Joseph takes her as his wife. They then are subjected to great hardship, being forced to travel to Bethlehem to register for the census and are unable even to find proper lodging. And so, Mary gives birth to the Messiah, the Son of God, in a feeding trough, in a stable. And yet Mary is able to proclaim in the beautiful words of her song, the Magnificat, Surely all generations will call me blessed. And so they have. When I hear this story, I cannot help but think of the millions of poor and dispossessed people who live on this earth today. Hordes of men, women, and children forced to flee their homes because of war, religious conflict, drought, famine, and natural disaster. Fueled by continuing racial and religious intolerance, plain human greed, and a rapidly changing climate. The future seems dark, especially for them. And yet, it is Mary, one of the poor and dispossessed of her age, who speaks to us and to the refugees the hopeful words. The Lord lifts up the lowly and fills the hungry with good things. Taking this lesson to heart, we can turn our attention to the lights that exist in the world today. We see the cause of freedom championed, often at a great risk to their own safety, by people all around the world. And we can join that call to freedom. We see people speaking out in our own country and around the world against racism and religious intolerance. We see less and less tolerance for hunger and people working to end it. And in great numbers, people are speaking out for our environment and the health of our planet. And our voices can echo that call. And perhaps most importantly, we see the youthful idealism of our children yearning to create a new future that more accurately reflects the kingdom of God. That story told by Luke is echoed and expanded upon by Matthew. Now, you will notice that Matthew focuses on the abusive powers that rule the world, represented first by King Herod. Herod and the other rulers he represents care nothing about the people they rule, even to the point of ripping babies from their mother's arms and putting them to the sword in mass murders. Their main concern is retaining power. As Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt, 
Matthew would have us remember the children who died because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart generations before. It seems the cruelty of absolute power never changes. And yet Matthew has the adult Jesus quote Isaiah to proclaim, The people who lived in darkness have seen a great light, and those who sit in the region and shadow of death, upon them light has dawned. Sadly, we have witnessed cruelty that equals and exceeds what Herod did. From the Nazi Holocaust to the gassing of innocence by the Assad regime in Syria, history is filled with powerful people willing to act with genocidal violence. The birth of Jesus calls us to be the ones who have the courage and the willingness to act selflessly in order to shine God's light into the darkness. The stories that Matthew and Luke have to tell us give us two beautiful windows through which to view the beginning of the life of Jesus and a gift of hope for our world. Both stories have the same ending, the cross. The child of the poor couple from Nazareth pursued by the cruel and powerful king, would be sacrificed. But even then, as Matthew and Luke foreshadowed, God would prevail, and he would be raised to new life, even as he was born in a manger. And we, the people who still walk in darkness, once again this Christmas, have seen a new light. May your life and your world be filled with light and happiness this Christmas. Merry Christmas. I hope you will join me again.